Mrs. Buell. For years and years, for what seems like forever, I've gone to Buell's when I had a dime to spare. It's a run-down, not very clean corner store. Kids go there mostly for licorice and bubblegum and jawbreakers and popsicles and comic books and cones. She only has three flavors and the cones taste stale. Still, she'll sell you one scoop for 15 cents. It's not a full scoop, but it's cheaper than anywhere else. It's the only place I know where a kid can spend one penny. Mrs. Buell is run down too, and a grouch. She never smiles or asks you how you are. Little kids are scared to go in there alone. We laugh at them, but really we understand. We felt it too when we were smaller and had a face, had to face her towering behind the counter. She was always the same except that once. I tripped going in and fell and scraped my knee. It hurt so much that I couldn't move for a second. I was winded too and I had to gasp for breath. I managed not to cry out, but I couldn't keep back the tears. Mrs. Buell is big, but she moved like lightning. She hauled a battered wooden chair from behind the curtain that hung across the back. Then, without a word, she picked me up and sat me down on it. We were alone in the store, but I wasn't afraid. Her hand scooping me up had been work roughened, but hard, but kind. She still didn't speak. Instead, she took a bit of a rag out of her sweater pocket, bent down, and wiped the smear of blood off my knee. The rag looked grayish, but her hands were gentle. I think she liked doing it. Then she fetched a band-aid and stuck it on. Does it still sting, she asked, speaking at last in a voice I'd never heard her use before. I shook my head, and she smiled. At least I think she did. It only lasted a fraction of a second, and I wasn't looking straight at her. At that moment, Johnny Trisano came in with one nickel clutched in his fist. He was so intent on the candies, he hardly noticed me. He stood and stood, trying to decide. Make up your mind or take yourself off, she growled. She had gone back behind the counter. I waited for her to look at me again so that I could thank her. But when we left, she turned her back and began moving things around on the shelves. I had meant to buy some jujubes, but I lost my nerve. After all, everybody knew she hated kids. She was probably sorry now that she'd fixed my knee. I slunk out without once opening my mouth. Yet, whenever I looked down and saw the band-aid, I felt guilty. As soon as one corner came loose, I pulled it off and threw it away. I didn't go near the store for weeks. She was terribly fat. She got so hot in summer that her hair hung down in wet strings and her clothes looked limp. In winter, she wore the same sweater every day, a man's gray one, too big, with the sleeves pushed up. They kept slipping down, and she'd shove them back a million times a day. Yet she never rolled up the cuffs to make them shorter. She never took days off. She was always there. We didn't like her or hate her. We sort of knew that selling stuff to kids for a trickle of small change wasn't a job anybody would choose, especially in that pokey little place with flies in summer, and the door being opened all winter, letting in blasts of cold air. Even after that day when she fixed my knee, I didn't once wonder about her life. Then I stopped at Buell's one afternoon, and she wasn't there. Instead, a man and a woman I'd never laid eyes on were behind the counter, sorting through stacks of stuff. 
They were getting some boxes down off a high shelf right then, so they didn't hear me come in. I was so amazed, I just stood there gawking. How Ma stood this cruddy hole, I'll never know, the woman said, backing away from a cloud of dust. Didn't she ever clean? Give the subject a rest, Glow, he answered. She's dead. She won't bother you any longer. I tried, Harry. You know I tried. Over and over, I told her she could move in with us. God knows I could have used a bit of cash and her help looking after those kids. I think I must have made a sound then. Anyway, she whirled around and saw me. This place is closed, she snapped. Harry, I thought I told you to lock the door. What did you want? I didn't want anything from her, but I still could not believe Mrs. Buell wasn't there. I stared around. I said, we're shut. If you don't want anything, beat it, she told me. The minute I got home, I phoned Emily. She said her mother had just read it in the paper. She had a daughter, Emily said, her voice echoing my own sense of shock. She died of a heart attack. Kate, her whole name was Catherine Ann Buell. Catherine, I said slowly. My name is really Catherine, although only dad calls me by it. I can't believe it somehow. No, Emily said. She was always just Mrs. Buell. I told her about Glow and Harry. After we hung up, though, I tried to imagine Mrs. Buell as a child. Instead, I saw her bending down, putting that band-aid on my knee. Her hair had been thin on top. I remembered, and she'd had dandruff. She had tried not to hurt me. Glow's voice talking about her had been so cold. Had she had anyone who loved her? It seemed unlikely. Why hadn't I smiled back? But to be honest, something else bothered me even more. Her going had left a hole in my life. Because of it, I knew, for the first time, that nothing was safe, not even the everyday, taken-for-granted background of my being. Like Mrs. Buell, pushing up her sweater sleeves and giving me my change.